We're in Mark chapter 10, and we'll get into it. We'll finish that off, God willing, and we'll get into Mark chapter 11. Two little vignettes in the Gospel of Mark that I'm anxious to get into because they're both very, in my thinking, very exciting stories. But let's, uh, let's turn our hearts to the Word of God and let's pray. Father, we pray that you would illumine our, quicken our understanding, illumine our eyes, open our hearts that we might receive the things that you have for us here this morning. Make us ready students of the word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, chapter 10, verse 46. I'll read through the end of the chapter and we'll unpack. And then when we polish that off, then we'll go to chapter 11. We'll read again and, and then unpack. Same, same kind of format. Mark 10, verse 46. And if you would, give your attention to the reading of the word of God. And they came to Jericho. And he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of, mercy, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garments, rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Okay, um, he came to Jericho. The house of the moon god is what it means. And whatever you want to make from that, <laughs> that's what it means. Uh, he's with his disciples and a great number of people. Why? Because they're going to Jerusalem. This is verse 11, uh, chapter 11 starts what we would call Palm Sunday. This is the last week of his life. That's where he's headed. They're singing the songs of ascent. We will start the songs of ascent next week when we read Psalm 120 uh, at our offering time. Uh, very uh, eye-opening to me. I think the songs of ascent talk about our own pilgrimage to the heavenly Jerusalem. And I think there's a lot there. And I, Will I stop and talk about that each week I don't know maybe maybe not I, I don't generally comment on I just read them you know and that's all, like, almost like a study a whole study for another time I, I don't know we'll we'll see we'll see as I think about it, as I pray about it we'll see that's what they're doing so they're going to Jerusalem it's the one of the mandatory feasts and they call it Passover like denotatively, but it's actually the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the mandatory feast, and that takes place the day after Passover and three days before um, the Feast of First Fruits. Just in case you're wondering, that's all found in Leviticus chapter 23. It gives us those dates and all that. So that's where they're heading. Jesus is heading to the cross, and he's told the uh, apostles several times now, so there's a great number. Why? Because everyone's going to Jerusalem. So there's a happy throng, a religious parade, if you will. 
And you know how I feel about the word religion. I use this advisedly. I think it's a religious parade. Not necessarily spiritual. But Bartimaeus is there. He's the son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Now, I looked up, you know, both those names. Because Bar is son. Timaeus is favored one or exalted one. I can't remember. Something like that. Okay? So make of that what you will. And he sat by the uh, highway begging. Why? Because he's blind. Uh, And if he doesn't have the charity of others, he's in a predicament. He's not working for a living. He's blind. Uh, He can't... There's a lot of things he can't do. And um, it's a good time to be begging. People are going, they're making this pilgrimage up to Jerusalem, to the temple. They're going to ask favor from God. And it's hard to like, you know, they're just like us. I'm going to go ask God to bless me and I'm going to pass this blind beggar and give him bupkis, right? (laughs) On my way to ask favor from God and visit with God. So it's a good time to be, you know, he knows what's going on. You know, everyone's going up to Jerusalem. Now is a good time to, you know, make some coin. So he, and, and, and there's no negative here. A lot of times we see people begging. <sighs> Pray. Do what God tells you to do. Okay, I think that's probably the best advice. I was coming out of Home Depot and a guy had a sign, you know, and I'm thinking... I just passed the, it, it's the hiring, right there. Oh, I don't want to work for a living. I want, to, I want to, you know, have you just give me money. And I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. And God forbid that we should ever pass anybody who really needs a, a handout, really needs a hand up. But, you know, some people are just scamming. Is he scammed? No, he's really blind. And <laughs> he's, you bless me financially or I'm going hungry today. That's all there is to it. He's just, they don't have a welfare system. They don't have anything like that. This is the welfare system, the kindness of strangers. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on him. And this is very uh, interesting to me. He calls him Jesus, the son of David. Is that important? It's very important what people call Jesus. Earlier in this chapter, in verse 17, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Is that a bad thing to call Jesus good teacher, good master? I don't think so. I think it makes you a heretic. But if you think Jesus is just a good teacher, let's just say, I don't know if you're a heretic, but you are a troglodyte, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, that's just the way it is. It's very important what people call Jesus. Good teacher, that's very non-committal. You understand Jesus is a good teacher, will that get you into heaven? I submit to you, it will not. Now, son of David, he's out there. He is out there. He's, he's way out on a limb now. Uh, At this point, from other Gospels, we know that the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, anyone who says that Jesus is the Messiah, they're put out of synagogue. Synagogue is like the center of Jewish life. It's where your friends and your family are every Sabbath. It's where business deals are made. It's where, like, you know, life revolves around. 
and to be put out of the synagogue is a big, big deal. He's out there. He's, he's committed. This is kind of like no going back. He's, he's saying, Jesus is Messiah. He's calling him Jesus Messiah, the son of David. son of David is messianic. Okay? He totally gets it. It's interesting to me. He doesn't have sight, but he has insight. The people with sight, Pharisees and Sadducees and priests and, you know, uh, scribes and the whole religious crowd doesn't understand that. As a matter of fact, they say if you do understand that, you're out. You're out. You're on the outside looking in. Interesting. And here's a guy with no sight, with tremendous insight. He gets it. He totally gets it, like some of you, <laughs> like all, I hope all of us, we get it. Jesus is the son of David. He's the Messiah. Uh, you can call him a lot of things, and I think he'll just keep on keeping on, you know. You call him Jesus, son of David, he's, he'll stop. He'll stop what he's doing. He'll stop where he's going. He'll hearken to that, but, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Many charge him that he should hold his peace. That's why I say it's the religious parade. It's a religious guy. You know, to, to find Jesus Christ, you have to walk past and you have to ignore the religious parade. <laughs> it just doesn't help. I grew up religious. That's why I'm no fan. I'm the, uh, I think Jesus was a, well, he's actually the son of God in my thinking and my theology. And he was the, he made a way to heaven that if I did a lot of religious activity, like, like a hamster on a wheel, he'd come back and say, man, you crushed it. You're awesome. You did exactly all the things I wanted you to do. Go to mass all the time. Go to confession. You know, do all the do's in scripture. Don't do any of the don'ts. Plus all the other peripheral stuff, like abstain from eating meat on Friday, count on my pray on my little prayer beads and say all those manufactured. I had a pocket full of prayers. It was like a half to three quarters of an inch that I had to go through on a daily basis. And when Jesus showed up, he's going to say, awesome, you were so awesome, you did exactly what. And that's what I thought Jesus was. And I, you have to look past, you have to get past the religion. They're not going to help you. They're going to hinder you. In, invariably, oh, keep quiet, he got no time for you. He got no time for you and your silliness. I love the, this man's a man of faith. I love the persistence of faith. He just dialed, he just ratchets it up. Oh, I'm going to show you more decibels. So I, I'm just going to, oh, you don't like that? Well, you're never going to like this. So he just, he just bellows. He just, you know, rears back and he gives it all he got. There's a desperation here. Wouldn't you agree? If Jesus slides by this time, I'm going to die blind. And that, spiritually, is unthinkable. And most do. Shut up, he ain't got time for you. So he, now he's really, and Jesus stood still. Why? He knows the cry of the heart of faith. Commanded him to be called. Yeah, go get him. Bring him over here. And now the whole thing flips around, right? They call the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Cheer up, is what they're saying. Be of good comfort, cheer up. 
he, casting away his garments, rose and came to Jesus. Always a good thing. Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? You think it through? Is that kind of a dumb question? Um, you know, the eyes don't work. Hello? <laughs> it's not a dumb question at all. And far be it for us to ever think that Jesus asks dumb questions. He wants to make sure the man wants what he should want. You'd think that a sinner going to hell would want not to go to hell. I can tell you stories of altar calls given where guys come up, you know, crying, weeping, my girlfriend left me. Oh, I lost my job. I... And those things have their place. You need, we say you need prayer, you know. I'd be happy to pray about you, you lost your job or you're sick or relationships gone sour or anything like that. But that's not what... What do you, what do you, what do you think? We're, the dating game? You think we're here, we're here to you know, match up everybody to make sure that everyone gets a spouse or that your, your, your one who left you go, comes back to you? Uh, you? No, no, no. All it's called is about salvation. What you need is salvation. Uh, what, why should I pray that your girlfriend come back to you? Uh, is she a horrible human being who's better off gone? Is she, is she born again? We don't, what you need is to be saved. I'm talking specifically salvation now, okay? Don't, again, I'm not, those things will have their place. If you lose your job, I'd be happy to pray that you get another job. Happy, happy. We'll get the elders here, we'll pray, it'd be great. Sick, we'll anoint you with oil, we'll pray. It'd be, it's a wonderful thing. We want, we want that, we want that. But you can be like unemployed and still go to heaven. And you can have a fabulous job and go straight to hell. So he's not praying, well, Lord, I, I think I need a white cane and, a, and, a, and a, uh, a guide dog. I know they haven't been invented yet, but could you, like, invent them and hook me up? I'd really appreciate that. You'd be surprised what people want from God and what people will settle for. It's a good question. I think it's a great answer. Lord, the blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now, two things here, and I want us to focus on both of them. Who he call, what he calls Jesus and what he wants from Jesus, okay? What does he call Jesus? It says, Lord. Has anyone got a gloss there? Rabboni. That's what Mary called him. You know, when she came to the tomb on Sunday morning, it's empty. She sees him. She thinks he's the gardener. <laughs> What's that all about? I don't know. We'll get there, right? She's, he says, Mary, Miriam is what he would say. She knows that voice. She knows that. She knows that this guy knows who I am. She says, Rabboni, my rabbi. It's a term of endearment. This is the only other time in Scripture it's used. Isn't that tell, very telling? And let's talk about titles a little bit. People generally call me Adam. I like that. That's my name. And my friends all call me Adam. Okay? Um, a few people call me pastor. 
My friends don't. It's weird. Like, we go out for dinner, and my friends say, hey, pastor, how's it going? I'm just like, Susan never calls me that. She don't wake up. Hey, pastor, how'd you sleep? Out? This would just be weird, right? No, we don't want that. Uh, Adam's fine. Adam's fine. It's not a sign of disrespect. Um, like I say, sometimes, you know, people have children, and they don't like the fact of children calling somebody by their first name, so they'll say, you know, they'll, they'll add that title. I, me, I love it. Don't change. Don't change now. Adam's not a None of the elders call me Adam, and that's fine. I mean, call me pastor. They call me Adam, and that's fine. I'm telling you, it's fine. I have no problem with that. When someone calls me pastor, it kind of makes my heart melt a little bit. It's that term of endearment, that, that relationship. You know, I hate titles. You know, I, I abhor titles. But this is kind of like, it's like, you know, when someone calls you sister or brother, or hey, friend, you know, and they, and they mean it from their heart. Or they, you know how some people just have a way about them where they, where they know, they can use your name, and even that sounds very nice when they do that, or they call you a, a term of endearment. You know, we all have our pet names for our spouse, you know. And that's like, nobody else calls, I call Sue's pet, a lot of pet, it's pet name, pet. Nobody else calls Sue's pet. I call sweetheart and baby doll, and there's a lot of names we have, you know, and stuff like that. You you have them. We all have them, um, because it's just it's it, it's it's us. It's us. We're we're close. We have that. And I think that he, him calling him Rab, Rabboni is like, hey, not only are you a rabbi, you're my rabbi. And does Jesus' heart melt a little bit because of this? Well, you tell me. I don't know. Uh you know what I want? I want to receive my sight. Bingo. That's the right, that's the right answer for a blind man. Is he receiving spiritual sight? I think he already has that. I think he already has that. He, call, he, he calls him son of David, and he calls him my rabbi. I think the man is already right with Jesus. And I can think I can prove that. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, he's not coming to him if he doesn't have faith. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I think we can easily put Barabbas in that category, no doubt. He comes to Jesus thinking that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think he's got faith, okay? I think he's got faith... Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. He knows that Savior will come and he will open blind eyes. He, he knows this already. I think he's got faith. And Jesus says so. Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. Because it's Jesus. And he surprises they have none. We'd be amazed if Jesus said you know, receive your sight. And he's like, hey, I still can't see. That doesn't happen, right? There was the one time, what do you see? I see trees like men walking and Jesus fine-tuned for, you go look up that sermon and anything you could add to that, to me, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Immediately receive the sight and follow Jesus in the way. Now, wait a second. This is go your way. Your faith will, and he follows. Isn't that like, disobedience a little bit you know it's like when the the lepers go show yourself to the priest right or when he uh, 
he cleanses a, a leper and says, don't tell anybody, but he tells everybody. Isn't that a little bit of disobedience? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. He says, go your way. <laughs> I'm following you. You know, my way is your way. And when you received your sight, I once was blind, but now I see. Is that true of you? When you receive your sight, doesn't, doesn't your way become his way? Well, it did with Bartimaeus. You know, it's interesting to me, he's only going to follow him for a week. In the, in, in the natural, was Bartimaeus in the upper room? Is he one of the 3,000 who are saved and filled in, at, at Pentecost? Is he, where is he from here on? I think he's mixed right in with the, with the 12. Not, not that he's the, an apostle, don't get me wrong, but I think he's right as close as close can be. He's, he's got a new, where, where am I going? Where am I going? It's like, it's like you know, in chapter 6, you know, a lot of people in John chapter 6 where, where Jesus is teaching about the bread of life, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and a lot of people say, yeah, it's too much for me, I'm out of here. You guys going away too? And Peter says, where are we going? You have the words to eternal. Where, where do we go? If you ask Bartimaeus, like, hey, go your way. What, what, what do you mean go my way? Where, where would I go? Where would I go? This is the only game in town where, where uh, the Savior of the world giving out new eyeballs who can save us and make us fit for heaven. Where, where am I going? And I think that shows more his, not only his faith, his insight, his understanding, his ability to grasp it and get it. Okay, chapter 11. Now, they call this, and I have this on my, you have like headings over there. Yeah. The triumphal entry. Boy, theologians are stupid namers. They're inept. They're, I'm, I'm just, I'm serious. Uh, you know, you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and you say, oh, the rapture. I'll call this the rapture. It's not even there. And people will say, oh, it is in the Latin. Oh, great. Thank you. Let's, let's use a dead language, an obscure dead language to name things theologically. That'll help us all out. You know, I just get, I, I wish I was in that room when they were naming it. I would have just, like, you know, everyone's going to say, I don't believe in the rapture. It's not even scriptural. Don't use that word. Use a real word. A, a biblical word. And people say, what biblical word? Uh, I don't know, resurrection. We have people rising from the dead. I would call that resurrection, you know. And a lot of people have such a heartburn about what's called the rapture because we just named it wrong. This is no triumphal entry that I know about. Okay, one, it starts. Let's read it. Now we'll, we'll unpack like, like, like we did. Okay. When they come not at Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye uh, be entered in, ye shall find a colt tied, where a never man sat, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without, in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded them, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. 
And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered in Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Okay, let's, let's look at this. It's the week before he dies. They, some people call it Palm Sunday. Okay. Okay, there's palms involved. Uh, triumphal entry. I, I'm going to show you what I think is a triumphal entry. And by the way, the homework will say, read Revelation chapter 19, and it gives you the verses there. You read that, and you'll see triumphal entry. I'll show you a different version of it here in the Old Testament. Um, I, I'll do that. When they come nigh unto Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, what does Bethphage mean? What does Bethany mean? Um, that's homework, and I'll let you look it up, and I'll let you connect the dots. Okay, I can give it to you, but I think sometimes it's better if we discover it ourselves. And I would say no triumphal entry is launched from a place named Bethphage because of what it means. And no triumphal entry is launched from a place named Bethany because of what it means. Okay? Uh, is there celebration here? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is going to go and he's going to, in the, the Passion Week, or what we would call it, again, you know, names. Uh, he's going to present himself as the king. The priests will lick him over. They will investigate. They will scrutinize. Like when somebody takes an offering to the priest. You look Look over the lamb. You know, it's interesting to me, you know, when someone brings an offering, you don't look over the person who brought it. <laughs> They're a sinner. <laughs> That's kind of obvious. This standing there with a sacrifice, right? But the lamb has to be spotless. The lamb has to meet the grade. Interesting, interesting. And this is what this whole week will be about. Jesus will be examined. He'll be investigated to see if he's the worthy lamb. And, of course, we'll find out that he is. Uh, he's going to cleanse the temple. He's going to weep over Jerusalem. Those aren't... There's, a, there's some good things that happen here, but they're, they're going to say Hosanna to the son of David, and we'll get there what that means. And then later on in the week, they're going to be saying, give us Barabbas, crucify this one. Think it all the way through. Fickle, to be sure. So he sends forth two of his disciples, and he gives them instructions. You're going to find a cult, and then they find this cult, and he gives them, okay, when they say to you, hey, what do you think you're doing? Tell them the Lord has need of it, and we'll bring it right back after. And he'll, they'll let him go. Now, many make of this like, well, he had already had this prearranged. He'd been in the, you know, Jerusalem, and he saw the cult. And he said, yeah, I'm going to borrow this, and, you know, made this prearrangement with the... I always wonder about people like that. What do you... Because they have to explain away, like, like Jesus wouldn't know that there was a cult, and this is what you need to, to, to say to liberate... Like, he, like he, 
He wouldn't know that already. He doesn't have any like precognition. He's not omniscient. He's not, yeah, I understand how these, these and I, I've, you know, listen, a lot of people, how they explain away Jesus and explain away his miracles and explain away his omniscience. And it, this is just Jesus being Jesus. Would God know there was a cult there? Yeah. Would God know it was tied up in a certain place? Yeah, he would know that. I, you know, does this psych you out or anything, God knowing things that haven't happened yet? I don't want to worship a God that doesn't. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you the future. I don't have to. I walk hand in hand with someone who does. He says, this is bad. Don't do this. <laughs> Minefield here. And he navigates me and steers me this way. Does that happen to you? He keeps us out of mischief. He keeps us in the path of blessing. He, he's, he's omniscient. He knows what's going to go on. He knows if I take this, open the wrong door, it's not the lady, it's the tiger, or whatever metaphor you want to use. He knows that if I choose this tree, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Oh, man, that, that's not going to go well. Only God. You, you know, yeah, I can visit for a second. We all, have, we all have a tree of good and evil. You notice that? We all have an opportunity to, no, 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 this is right and this is wrong, and I know. Or we have to step out in faith and do it God's way. Probably happens several times a month, several times a week. Where God brings us that place of testing. Don't, 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 don't. Oh God, you don't have to worry about me. I know. And we come to that place where we think we know better than God about a certain thing. Now we never voice it that way. But that's the choices we make. In this situation, I think I know more about this than God knows. And I will, and I make the wrong, invariably make the wrong choice. If God can't stand me around those crisis places, now sometimes I walk in knowingly, shame on me, but he keeps me out of mischief. He, you know, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct your path. What? Away from the mischief. Away from the getting your leg blown off in the minefield. He'll, he'll navigate you right around that. But if we think we know more than him, that we know the way we're supposed to go, what will happen? Mayhem, chaos, bad things, inevitably, invariably. So he knows, and so he sends them on this little errand. And imagine this, they went their way and they found the colt tied by the door. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Uh, without, in a place where two ways met, and they lose him. And there was those people, hey, whoa, 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 what do you think you're doing? Hello, that's mine. Fair enough. And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. Surprise, surprise. No, it's not a surprise. Uh, we do what God tells us to do, and we meet with success. Have you found this to be true in your own life? Is your life full of chaos? Are we, how much are we following Jesus? Now, I don't want to go here too much. You can follow Jesus very closely, and still have problems in your life. There's bound to come some trouble in your life. There ain't nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be ashamed of. There's, there's temptation. 
as trials. We have an adversary. He's seeking to devour us. So if you had a situation that uh, blew up on you this weekend, uh, this week, it could be that just it's called life. And God allowed that to happen, to bring you to a place where you're calling on Him, that you're seeking Him in that, in that situation. That's always the right answer. You remember Storm uh, 102? He's not in the boat this time, right? He, they're out in the middle of, and they're paddling like crazy. Blister time, paddling, praying, no doubt. Fierce storm. And Jesus isn't even there to wake him up and say, hey, can you do something about this storm? He's off praying. And he comes walking to them in the, in the, in the water. Now, what's interesting to me is they, one, they thought he was a ghost. That they sorted it all. This is really you, Jesus. You know, Peter says, let me come to you on the water. I mean, come on. Have at it. So he starts walking on the water. And then the storm is all boisterous. He loses his way because he's focusing on the storm rather than on Jesus. Now, that should be a word for all of us because we all go through storms. And if we lose our focus and, and the storm is the thing, yeah, sinking can happen. But Jesus is right there, and he's good. He grabs him by the hand, pulls him out. He's not going to let us drown. Not, not like that, not when he tells us to do what he, he's called us to do. It wasn't their time. It wasn't Peter's time to drown. So you pull him, they get in the boat. What happens? One, storm one way. Two, they're on the opposite shore. They're right in the middle, and then he steps into the boat, and they're on the shore. How does that work? In some time warp, some black hole, some, I, I, I don't know. But it says to me that finding Jesus in the storm is their destination. That's the way I interpret that. And very often when storm happens, finding Jesus in the storm is your destination. You'll see, you know, you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. No fair and evil. He's the lily of the valley. And if you're not in the valley of the shadow of death, you won't find the lily of the valley. You know, I remember Andre Crouch years ago, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. That's not a great rhyme. But it's true. It's good theology. It's good theology. If, if I never had any issues, I wouldn't know that God deals with issues. If I never had any problems, I'd know that God would solve them. Trouble's going to happen. And Jesus is going to happen. Seek him out in those situations. Anyway, it's even as they commanded and let him go of the colt. Uh, they brought the colt to Jesus. They cast their garments on him and he sat upon him. He, sat, he sits on this colt we understand no one's ever sat on before. Um, it's a donkey colt. They don't like that generally. But I think even the donkey knows his creator. So he's okay with it. He gives him a ride. Doesn't buck him off or anything like that. They cast their garments on the colt, that's to say, and he sat upon him. That would be respect. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strode them in the way. What's that about? Exaltation. It's about praise. It's about acceptance. It's about making the way comfortable it's like rolling out the red carpet in our parlance you can all understand what that means they went before 
And they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Say, well, Adam, that's a good thing. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's definitely a good thing. What is Hosanna? Well, I'll give you that. You don't have to look it up. Save now. Deliver us. Save now. What are they saying? Um, it's the Passover. You remember when we were in Egypt and we despaired of life and God sent Moses and the plagues because Pharaoh didn't want to let us go? We're celebrating that right here, right now. That's why we're all coming to Jerusalem. Now would be a handy time to save us from Rome. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Bartimaeus asking for a, a guide dog. They're saying, save now, but I don't think they're asking for salvation. I think they're asking from deli for deliverance from Rome. That in itself isn't a bad thing. It's just not the only thing, and it's not the thing for this time. And again, they're saying, save now, and does he? No. Roman occupation will go on for decades. Oh, you don't want to deliver us from Rome? Well, pfft. crucify him. We got no use for this guy. Give us Barabbas. And I think that helps explain what they're, they got this fever, this fervor, this patriotism, this, they're, they're here to celebrate their freedom from oppression during a time of oppression. And they're asking Jesus, deliver us from oppression. And guess what? He doesn't always. You know, people in communist countries can know Jesus Christ. People in China, it's illegal to belong to Jesus in China. They will persecute you. They'll give you a bad social credit score. You can't travel. It'll be hard to have a job. Things like that. That'll never come to America. Don't worry about it. Huh. I'm glad you laughed. I'm glad you laughed. There are forces afoot to bring exactly that type of thing. It's happening in Canada, if you ask me. By the way, isn't it an extraordinary week? I don't want to get caught. I don't want to lose my time and lose my. Isn't it an extraordinary week? This crazy man in Russia, very gog like. Some of you will know the reference. Yeah, we've got to take over Ukraine. We've got to reestablish the Soviet Union. I hope you're praying for your brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Just freedom, love, and people in general. It's, it's, it's ruthless. It's godless. It's horrific what's going on. Okay? He's very brilliant in his own crazy, insane way. Uh, could this launch Ezekiel? 38 and 39. I could see it happening. During the invasion, he said uh, that Israel, he doesn't recognize their right to the Golan Heights. He, he didn't recognize Ukraine's right to be sovereign either. When he recognizes or doesn't recognize something, it, it, could, it could end up going very badly. Now, if he moves against Israel... It will go very badly, but not for Israel. Just, I, I took a peek at the back of the book, okay? I'm just 
just telling you. We don't even have to guess how that's going to turn out. All right? Could happen very soon. Let's get back to our... So they're crying this, and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed be the name, uh, he that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is good. This is good. I think they have, uh, at least, they're not rejecting him. They're not, they're not turning their backs on him. Now, here we've got to read Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. I think it would be a good time. Rejoice greatly, Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. So they're saying, save now. Would they know this verse? Oh, they would. I bet they, if they had tattoos, they would tattoo this verse on themselves. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the fall of an ass. So the donkey colt is very important, and it's very humble too. You understand, he's coming in peace. He's not coming as a vengeful sovereign. There he'd be riding, a, no doubt, a magnificent steed. Um, again, read here Revelation 19. Here, he's offering himself as king. You know, he keeps saying all through us, hey, don't tell anyone, he's keeping everything on the down low. They wanted to make him king forcibly after he fed the 5,000. He would have none of it. That's why he's constraining his disciples to get in the boat. You remember, we talked about that at length. He won't have it. It's not my time. It's not my time yet. And he said it several times. And he's trying to keep everything on the down low. Here, he not only says, it is time, but he orchestrates this. And he's offering himself as king to Israel. Did they accept him? In a very superficial kind of religious way, perhaps. But not like he's offering. And so he's setting up Zechariah 9.9 and making it happen. And they are seemingly accepting this. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They, they're, blessed be the kingdom. Please reestablish the kingdom is what they're saying. We like the time when we had our own king and we didn't have to pay taxes to Rome and we didn't have these heathens living among us telling us how we're going to live life. That in itself is a fine thing, but it's not all Jesus offers. Like I say, you can be a Christ-loving, you could be a follower of Jesus Christ and live a holy and righteous life in a totalitarian regime. And Jesus entered in Jerusalem into the temple when he looked round about upon all things. And now the eventide was come. He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. He retreated to this place called Bethany. What does Bethany mean? Again, that's homework. Say, Adam, it's not the triumphal entry. What do you think is? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'll give, let's look at it as in the Isaiah. Okay? Because it's just one of my favorites. Just, oh, I'm going the wrong way. Isaiah chapter 63. I was just thinking about this this morning. This is kind of the aftermath. Jesus has come back to the planet at this point, and he's triumphing. He's winning. Things are really bad, and he's going to make them right. 
His people are hiding in a place called Basra, Petra, if you, if you will. And he's going to come and he's going to triumph over his foes, over their foes, who, by the way, are, are, are the same, same group. And this is how Isaiah prophesies it in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? Why? Because he had business in Basra, liberation business. His people were there calling out to him for two days, and on the third day he showed up. Much scripture about that. Hopefully you were paying attention when we went through these uh, things. In Revelation series, I really enjoyed that, but I even enjoyed more our Wednesday night. We were talking about all the supporting scriptures, and we looked at verses like this. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? You say, well, who is it? Well, he'll give us some clues. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his, of his strength. Sounds kind of Christ-like to me, but not necessarily, you say. I said, well, let's keep going then. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Oh, now it's Jesus, okay? Who else speaks in righteousness and who else? is mighty to save, okay? There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is Jesus, and this is him coming. Does this ever happen historically? Did he ever come to Basra and step on so many people that they stained his garments with their blood like grapes? No, <laughs> no, that hasn't happened historically, but it's going to happen in maybe a little over seven years from now. I don't know exactly, and I don't want to set dates. What I do want to say is, if you're not ready for his sudden appearing to take his bride off the earth, that would be a, that would be a terrible error. I, I don't know how much time you have. I try to live like every day could be my last one. Uh, why, hey, what's the deal here, yo? Uh, why, wherefore art thou red in thine apparel? You get all red on your, you know, on all your, all your clothes. What's going on here? Thy garments, like him that treadeth in the wine vat. I can't read this without thinking of that. I love Lucy episode where they're rustling around the grapes. And if you haven't seen it, well, I'll just watch it. It's hysterically, it, I can't tell you, it's always funny, no matter how many times I see it. But you, you, how, you see how she was afterwards. It, she was, it's not like the grapes, you, you have grape juice. And you have a white shirt. <laughs> By the way, that, in my world, that doesn't match up very good because I'm, you know, as likely to spill it as not, right? Uh, what happens if you just put grape juice on a white garment? It's kind of purplish, you know? It's, it's, it, that's how it works. Grapes do that. Wine does that. You, you know, you look like somebody who's been in a wine vat pressing out the grapes. I have trodden in the wine press. This, does Jesus make wine? Does he tread in wine? No, it's figurative speech, okay? I have trodden in the winepress alone, and of the people, there was none with me. Well, when he comes back, aren't we, isn't he coming with the armies of heaven? You and me? Yes. Again, read Revelation 19. When he talks about armies, you're, you're there. You're born again. You love Jesus. You're there. I, I'm there. I can't wait. <laughs> but this fight is his and his alone. Okay? 
And he says so. I've trodden in the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger. Oh, you think you're going to stand against my people successful? I don't think so. Jesus says. He's really upset. Okay, he's really angry. And their blood shall be sp- sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Like I say, he's, he's treading on the enemies of Israel like so many grapes in a, in a wine press. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. Gee, I wonder if he's going to win. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to triumph. <laughs> no, it's already history at this point. Okay, they're like dead, like nobody uh, was successfully went against Jesus Christ and won. I wish everyone knew that. I wish I could tell the whole world that. Stand, or put yourself in battle against Jesus Christ. That's, that's a tremendously bad place to be. You can't hope to win that battle. You think you're going to beat God? Really? Well, he's going to step on you like so many grapes. It doesn't give me joy to say that, by the way. The day of vengeance in my heart and the year of my redeemer is coming. I looked and there was none to help and I wondered there was none to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me and my fury it upheld me and I will tread down the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury and I will bring down their strength to the earth. That's a triumphal entry. This is the end of it. He's headed back to Jerusalem to liberate Jerusalem now. What will happen at Jerusalem? Same. Part two. He'll wipe out the enemies of Israel, the en- his enemies, and then have the victory ascent on the Mount of Olives. It will come to pass. You know, Acts, uh, same, Jesus, the same one who's taken up from you, come the same way, right there at, at, at the Mount of Olives. And I could elaborate more, and we, there's more verses, more supporting verses on that. But our time spent, I'm going to go out of here in song, but I want to tell you, here he offers himself, and people have a little bit of excitement, but they miss. It's, kind of, it's, it's a swing and a miss, if you ask me. Oh, so what is that saying to us? In our telling the story, don't let people, don't let people settle for less than... Jesus, the son of David, Messiah, the one who opens the eyes of the blind, the one who, the great judge of the whole earth. He's going to make everything right that's wrong. I'm looking forward to that. I know you are too. Let's stand, let's pray. And uh, so it's exciting to read these verses. And I don't know, I still think of your people. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. And ah, Lord, do a great work in that land in these days. And Lord, for our oppressed brothers and sisters in, in the Ukraine who are fighting for their lives now against a, a madman, I pray that you would have your way. And it seems like a very dark hour. Lord, uh, a miracle is needed, but you're the miracle God, and we have nowhere else to turn. Lord, bless our, our understanding of your word. Keep it, keep our, help keep our focus on the, the main thing, Lord. We ask it in 
Jesus' name, now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.